Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jay Jones over the Two Penny Podcast, and I just want to take a minute and let you know that if you are new to the podcasting world, and that may be you haven't even started your show yet, or you have started it, or maybe you just have an idea that you would like to get into production, well, I highly recommend checking out the folks over at Unfiltered Studios. And uh, you can find them at unfpod.com. And, uh, you know, whether it be you need help with audio, video, equipment, distribution, graphic design, anything and everything that comes to podcasting, you can reach out to the guys at Unfiltered Studios and they'll be willing to help. And that's an absolutely no charge to you. 100% free. It's very easy and it's very good. Um, they have tons of experience and uh, very responsive. When I first started out, they helped me a great deal and I'm very appreciative. And um, so, yeah, head on over to unfpod.com and check out the Unfiltered Studios and start your show today. Um, they'll find a way to help you out. I promise you that. So, yeah, we'll see you soon. And don't forget, check out my podcast, The Two Penny each and every Friday. All right, we'll be seeing you. Best of luck. Bye. Yeah, that was all me with help of the Unfiltered Studios. (laughs) All right, see ya. everybody we made it to week number two so it looks like i officially have a podcast saint joe is in the hizzy kicking off your week and thanks again for joining me i'm looking forward to a very interesting show today and as another podcaster described it as a hodgepodge of stuff i actually really like that description uh, as it makes me think of the show seinfeld and how they tried to pitch a show throughout the series about nothing. Uh, Not to say that this podcast is about nothing, uh, because it's definitely about something, and that something is definitely nothing to take serious. It seems nobody wants to talk about something serious, and they want nothing to do with the person that is trying to do so. Now, I may get a little serious today, but nothing too serious. I don't want something to linger and turn people away over nothing, really. What's funny about that something can be construed really into anything when really you've said nothing. And sometimes that is the best. It's best to say nothing rather than something. So I've learned. It's amazing how powerful something can be and yet how nothing is gained from that power. And how does the saying go? Uh, I think it's something like nothing gained, nothing lost, or something like that. So really, rather than talking about something, I think that we should probably move on to talking about nothing, which is pretty much what we talked about earlier in this podcast being about. So... I want to talk about 
movies this week. Um, I really want to take you back to uh, the 80s again and the silver screen of the 80s, which I mentioned earlier on the last podcast is one of my favorite things to talk about. I really want to take you back uh, to the smell of the fresh, buttery movie popcorn, the Junior Mints, the Pepsi Clear, the sticky movie theater floor, the atrocious folded-down movie, se- movie seats, and the gum that was stuck on the bottom of every single one of those seats. Um, if you can go inside, pick your seat. If it's in the middle of the back with the perfect view on the side so you don't want to get caught doing whatever you're going to be doing in the dark, wherever it is. If you're a front rower, which hardly anybody is, that's fine. But pick your seat. And I want you to think about, close your eyes, try to think about the very first song that pops into your head. Now for me, there's hundreds of songs. Hundreds of songs that you can think of that kind of race through like a playlist in my mind. For me, and for the next few minutes or longer, probably longer, I'm going to try to pick out the top five movie soundtracks of the 80s. It's going to be pretty hard. And if you know anything, I have listened to us before, or me before, on the previous podcast, with our top five list, uh, we always had more than top five. So in honor of that, uh, I have about 15 honorable mentions. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, that is a throwback there to uh, Kev. Uh, he always had more than uh, about 47 Monero mentions. So uh, I'm just going to, it's it's so hard. It's so hard to narrow it down into five. And uh, it's really, I had to think a lot about it. So um, a lot of the movies in this age, uh, in this decade had one maybe one memorable song from the movie. Like take, for example, last week I talked about back to the future. It had the power of love, uh, for by Huey Lewis, uh, Huey Lewis in the news. That was a very memorable movie, but the soundtrack, not so much. Um, you know, it had one very big song, uh, that propelled Huey Lewis in the news into, uh, the billboard top 10. Number one, in fact. So there's a couple others that we can think of. Uh, Less Than Zero, another great movie in the 80s. It had Hazy Shade of Winter, uh, remade by the Bangles, uh, but a great song. Um, one of my favorites, a Better Off Dead. Um, Everybody Wants Some by Van Halen, great song. Uh, favorite part when the little hamburger comes out and, uh, and wails on the guitar and uh, and does it but uh, maybe one song that everybody remembers from it but if you're thinking of the one movie and this is this is my honorable mention the one movie that you can think of with one song it's the iconic movie that comes to mind it's got to be say anything 
It's In Your Eyes, Peter Gabriel. And it's John Cusack holding the boombox over his head uh, to win back Ioni Sky. Um, I forget her name in the movie. Um, it'll come to me. But it's it's an amazing scene in the movie. Uh, he's out there uh, confessing his love for her. And, and it's replayed over and over and over again in countless movies. Uh, parodies. Uh, it was in uh, um, Deadpool. I can think of one that's been on Saturday Night Live skits a number of times. Um, it's it's we've seen it over and over. Trust me. If you can think of it a couple different times in tough a couple different movies that you've seen, um, it's definitely been one uh, that you have seen over and over, and it's an iconic scene. Um, and and when you hear that song you definitely think of the movie say anything. So that is my honorable mention, but there, there could have been 15 different honorable mentions. So with that being said, I'm going to try to list my top five and I hope you like them. So number five, the big chill, the big chill. It is a cast that is worthy by itself. It is an incredible cast. Um, incredible cast. Uh, Glenn Coase, Kevin Klein, Kevin Klein. Um, oh man, I should, I should have it here in front of me, but uh, Kevin Costner makes an appearance. Um, um, I can see him right in front of me. Um, uh, Anyway, the cast, I, I should have had the cast here in front of me, but I don't because I was more focused on the music. But the music comes, uh, is, is amazing. You've got Three Dog Nights, Joy to the World. You've, where you hear, uh, hear that with Kevin Klein, he's giving his son a bath, and the soundtrack sets the nostalgic uh, to the appeal of the baby boomers. They were in their prime for the parenting years. Um, it evokes the 60s and 70s. Uh, for other tunes, which include Marvin Gaye, the version of I Heard It Through the Grapevine. You have the zombies, Time of the Season. And, of course, you have Aretha Franklin's You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Uh, in the best tradition of musicals, uh, this soundtrack not only sets the mood of the movie, but it also moves the plot forward. Uh, it may be one, I don't say want to say one of the first ones, but it definitely was a was great, great use of music in order to help the plot and set the tone of the music. A plus, A plus, uh, and it also makes you appreciate the classic artist, the classic music, and it's probably some of the greatest artists that we'll see of all time. I mean, Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, uh, come on. I mean, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, great, great music, and uh, definitely some that you should you should listen to. So number five starts off strong with The Big Chill. Number four, I know that I am going to get some praise from some of our listeners this last week, but I know that I'm also going to get some grief for some of our listeners. Uh, but I don't really care because nobody... And I can say nobody puts baby in the corner. This movie, I don't care how you, what you think about it. 
this movie had a soundtrack that was great. I mean, the title, uh, the track that plays throughout the whole movie, I mean, I had the time of my life with Jennifer Gardner and Patrick Swayze's climactic, climactic dance at the end of the show uh, was Oscar-nominated. Uh, Bill Medley and Jennifer Warren's, it, it describes the movie and, and gave audiences um, really the entire, it, it kicks off the entire soundtrack. Uh, the album, again, is packed with oldies. Because it was set in 1963, it should be packed with oldies. But you've got the Ronettes, Be My Baby. You've got the Blow Monkeys with You Don't Owe Me. Um, you've got um, two other songs, which they probably didn't think would make it in the Billboard's Top 100, but they did. Uh, Eric Carmen had a hit with Hungry Eyes, uh, which I think uh, it was a good song. Um, but it was, it, it was definitely because of the movie that this, this was a good song, uh, the feel of the movie and, um, a surprise hit from the movie. But I think the biggest surprise hit of the movie, uh, was written and sung by one of the stars of the movies. And that was Patrick Swayze's she's like the wind. So if you look at that, there's three huge uh, billboard hits and one Oscar-nominated song off of the soundtrack. Pretty hard to uh, hard to com- complain about that soundtrack. And, I mean, come on. You hear I Had the Time of My Life played at every single wedding that you go to. And everybody gets out there and everybody dances and everybody has the time of their life. So... You're gonna you, and you're singing along. I know you're singing. Don't 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 kid me. You're in there and you're singing. So, number four. Number three. Number three. I uh, I have to admit, I kind of cheated a little bit on this one, and I did the I lumped them in, and I think that you'll see why I did it. But I had to, because this is uh, what I'm going to call the John Hughes catalog. And I had to do it, because John Hughes, he's known for the Teen Inks movies. And he is the king of them. Uh, He's got plenty of memorable music in his films. He's directed The Breakfast Club, Word Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 16 Candles. Uh, So they all have great songs in them, but they may be one song. They may be a couple songs, but I think what the, the, what's underplayed in his movies is that he gave groups, college groups, college bands, really their break. So yes, they might've been single songs, Uh, maybe the title track, but think about this, like, like the psychedelic furs, for example, um, he, I I believe that they were the, uh, the title for pretty in pink 
and that was both the name of the the title song and the title of the music. Um, you had Oingo Boingo that sang the song, the crazy song in Weird Science, which again, Weird Science was the name of the song, but it was also the name of the movie. Um, you had other bands like Killing Joke, Lords of the New Church, and Simple Minds who had the iconic hit, Don't You Forget About Me, from The Breakfast Club. By far, the British group's biggest song ever. Uh, if you, I, I'm, I'm sure I can look it up on the billboard, but I'm sure that was their highest hit that they've ever had. An iconic song for them. 16 Candles never got uh, a full soundtrack release, despite having... Uh, Lots of fun singers on it. They had Kaja Gugu, uh, who was very well known for a couple different, Too Shy Shy, The NeverEnding Story, which was another great movie and had one song from it. But he was known for that. Uh, Altered Images, Spandau Ballet, uh, great songs, but maybe found off of that, Patti Smith. And Ferris Bueller's Day Off um, had a couple different songs. Uh, the Dream Academy, the, uh, they covered the Smiths, Please, 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 uh, Let Me Get What I Want, um, and Love Missile F1 and uh, 11 by, uh, I'm going to mess the name up, but it's I think it's Seagway, Seagway, Sputnik. Nobody remembers those bands. I didn't remember them, uh, but I had to look them up and do that and say, who is this? But... Like I said, they're college bands, uh, and they became pretty pretty um, familiar after these songs, even though they might have been one singular song. But the John Hughes catalog, by far, had a lot of great songs from these four movies, five movies, if you count uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Sixteen Candles. So I lumped them into one and put them underneath Number three. Number two. Number two, Top Gun. The Miami Cell Machine, Kenny Loggins, and Berlin, just to name three bands right off the bat. I mean, that's 1986 wrapped up right there. I mean, the soundtrack from there, the films from the film's opening, the Top Gun anthem, uh, the Harold... Faultmeyer scored the film and it opens up playing softly. You hear the bells, you know, the big, uh, kind of, I can't, you know, can't do it justice, but you know, everybody knows what I'm talking about. The jets are on the tarmac. You kind of hear them. They're getting ready to take off and you hear the, the bells starting to go. And then all of a sudden it breaks into, uh, Kenny Longa's danger zone. Come on. It even did the same thing as the remake of Maverick when it comes out for the second uh, second Top Gun or Top Gun 2, whatever you want to call it. And everybody in that theater, when they started rumbling and everything came out, I mean, it, it was so great. You're sitting there and you're like, this is so cool. They did the same music. They did a lot of different things. They had a throwback even to uh, Great Balls of Fire that the kid singing the same thing that Goose did. They, they had... Um, you lost that love and feeling. Um, 
you know, another great oldies song that that snuck its way into a, a soundtrack. Um, I mean, when you hear Take My Breath Away from Berlin, I mean, that, come on, that makeout scene that Kelly McGillis had with Tom Cruise, uh, I mean, that's the reason the movie's rated R, right there. You can, everybody can still remember that scene. It's just, it, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and then, um, it's just such a good, such a good soundtrack. So everybody's got it. I mean, playing with the boys when they're all on the beach, uh, playing uh, volleyball. I mean, there's just a number of different songs in there that everybody had and great, great soundtrack. So number two, Top Gun. Number one, uh, definitely I couldn't think of another one to put in here. And when I thought about making this list, I knew it was going to be number one. Uh, a little man lives just outside of uh, Minneapolis. It was Purple Rain. Um, it was. Uh, it's hard to think of a more self-fulfilling prophetic film than Purple Rain. Uh, about a young mu- young musician overcoming his demons and rivals on his rise to the top and it basically lofted Prince into global stardom. In a matter of weeks from its release, uh, there were so many songs on this on this uh, soundtrack. Uh, never would have happened without the brilliant songs. Uh, I mean, it ranged from Let's Go Crazy to Ballads, uh, Beautiful Ones. There was Funk, Darling Nikki, to the epic anthetic title track, Purple Rain, and one of the most unusual number one singles of all time, When Doves Cry. Uh, Prince's most concise, accessible album, and a mountaintop that he never bothered or needed to climb. Uh, It was a great album for him, and probably one that we will never see the likes of again. It stood on there for one of the most number one uh, so, number one sold soundtracks uh, ever. It was knocked off by one other soundtrack in the 90s uh, by another fantastic singer. It was knocked off by Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard, which was another great soundtrack of the 90s. But it took a long time for that to get knocked off uh, by Prince. So... Great, great soundtrack of the 80s, and I couldn't think of another uh, another one that could be better. So, um, I really hope that you like that. Uh, if you did not like it, please direct all of your complaints uh, towards my production department. Uh, the leader there can certainly return your phone call. The number that you can reach him at uh, is 305-563-2342. And after that, I think that we need to turn it into a better little bit of hammer time. So it is time to put the hammer down. Uh, I want to talk about something that has been hammered into me since I was a good little Catholic boy. 
Keb, Jay, and Mike, I know you're inserting your own joke here, but it is not what you think it is. It is why you don't eat fish on Fridays during Lent. So, let's start with a little uh, lesson in theology. According to Christian teaching, Jesus died on a Friday, and his death redeemed a sinful world. People written that fasting on Friday was due to commemorate the sacrifices early as the first century. Technically, it's the flesh of a warm-blooded animal that is off-limits, an animal that is, a sense, sacrificed for its life, for us, if you will, explains Michael Foley, an associate professor at Bailey University and author of Why Do Catholics Eat Fish on Friday? Fish are cold-blooded, so they are considered fair game. But fish, well, they'd been associated with a sacred holiday even in pre-Christian times. And as the number of meatless days piled up on the medieval Christian calendar, not just Fridays, but Wednesdays, Saturdays, Advent, Lent, and other holy days, the hunger for fish grew. And indeed, fish fasting days became central to the growth of the global fishing industry, but not because of a pope and his secret pact. Again, Christian's religious appetite was largely, largely met with herring, a fish that was plentiful but dry and tasteless when smoked or salted, and preservation was a must in medieval times. There was no good way for fish to reach the devout masses. Eventually, cod became all the rage, and it tasted better when it was cured and lasted longer. The Vikings were aces at preserving cod, and they usually dried and salted cod as a form of beef jerky on the ocean passages. And the route the Vikings took at the end of the first millennium, Greenland, Iceland, Newfoundland, matches up with the natural range of the Atlantic cod. Funny enough, while the Pope story is a fish tale, Official leaders of the church did not make fish fasting the law of purely practical reason, reasons. For that story and the lust of our headlined promise, we turn to a monarch known for his carnal cravings, Henry VIII. By the time Henry ascended the throne in 1509, fish dominated the menu for a good part of the year. But after Henry became smitten with Anne Boleyn, English fish-eating took a nosedive. You see, Henry was, a, was desperate with desire for Anne, but Anne wanted a wedding ring. The problem was Henry had already had a wife, Catherine of Aragon, and the Pope refused to, annu to annul that. Decades-long marriage. So Henry broke off from the Roman Catholic Church and declared himself the head of the church of England and divorced Catherine so he could marry Anne. Suddenly, eating fish became very political, and fish was seen as popish flesh and lost, the fa lost favor as fast as Anglicism took root. So, fishermen were hunting, 
so much that, that when Henry's young son, Edward VI, took over in 1547, fast days were reinstated by law. In fact, fish fasting remained surprisingly influential in global economics well into the 20th century. One economic analyst noted that fishing prices soon after Pope Paul VI loosened fasting rules in the 1960s. The Friday meat ban, by the way, still applies to the 40 days of Lent. A few years before the Vatican relaxed the rules, an enterprising McDonald's franchise owner in a largely Catholic part of Cincinnati found himself struggling to sell burgers on Fridays. His solution? The filet fish Why not exactly the miracle of loaves and fishes? This uh, this um, franchise owner's little battered sandwiches has fed millions around the world. So I told you that I like trivia and that I like uh, fun little information. The fact that I did not know that the filet fish was invented because of the, uh, the feasting of, of fish on Friday was a fun little nugget to find in this, uh, in this little, uh, this little information. So basically the, the, the favor of eating fish on Friday has, has been very, I don't want to say it's taken lightly. It has been loosened quite a bit. I mean, you're not going to go to hell if you eat meat on Friday, if you meet, eat meat on Wednesday and things like that. Um, it's funny because I, as a kid, I don't like seafood. I don't like seafood at all. And I was the kid that always made our dinner late when we went out to Friday fish fries. Um, at once upon a time, I did eat some fish just because, uh, mom made me. (laughs) So it was, it was there and then I had to do it, but I just don't like it. Um, so I would order a cheeseburger. And um, because cheeseburgers took longer and fish was ready at the ready, our dinner would always come late. And I was the one that always, we were, you know, they wanted to bring the food out at the same time. So I was always getting blamed to say, you're the reason our dinner is always late and we have to wait to eat. And it, yeah, I was. But you know what? It, it, that's the way it goes. Um, but it was funny because sometimes it did take a while for me to get everybody get their meal because I wanted the burger, but that's just the way it goes. Sorry. Uh, but to this day, I do not like fish. Um, and you know what? I am going to eat meat and I'm not going to feel bad about it. And that's just the way it goes. So, um, hopefully, um, maybe you learned a little bit of a, something about, uh, the fish prices. Uh, it turned political. It wasn't necessarily the Pope that made that decision. Uh, there was a reason because it was, uh, you know, it was something to, uh, it it did have something to do. Jesus dying on a Friday, a couple little nuggets in there that were, that were pretty interesting to me. So 
uh, yeah, hammered into me as a kid. Um, it did stick. It is important to Catholics. Uh, some of them are very devout to do it. I know my family is very devout on doing it. Uh, and God bless them for doing it. But you're not going to go to hell if you eat a burger on Friday and, and it's, you're going to, you're going to be okay. So anyway, and, um, but that's it. So on with the blessing, let's, uh, let's talk about a blessing this week. Uh, the blessing is brought to you courtesy of my wife. Uh, I asked her if she recalled any type of blessing that stuck in her head throughout her life that she would want to pass on to our son. She immediately responded with choose your love and love your choice. And I thought to myself, well, that's pretty simple. Uh, but the more I thought about it, it's really not. Uh, this applies to m so many things in so many different ways. Now, I told you all earlier that I was going to get a little bit serious, so here it goes. Choosing what you love isn't always that easy. I mean, look at the struggles that we put ourselves through to decide what we want to be when we grow up. Uh, choosing a major in college, choosing a career, choosing a life partner. Those are all major choices in what we have to do, but... I digress, and I will leave that to another podcaster um, or perhaps discuss those if that podcaster, Biebs, ever wants to come on and this podcast and discuss them because I think he would be the right person uh, to maybe approach those, uh, those topics because that's what his podcast uh, really goes into and has a greater message. Uh, but they're important. They're important choices to think about and they're major choices in life that goes on. Uh, but there's a lot to think about when you're making that type of choice. So when, when Tara told me about this, this blessing that she kind of remembered, um, it really brought me back to a moment that we've had recently and that we've been, we've been, uh, thinking about or that that's been brought to our attention. So I'll give you an example of what we're talking about. Our son is, is very active in sports and he wants to try to do as many as he can in order to stay busy. Uh, he's currently on the track team at his school and he really loves to play basketball and he's really, he's good at it. He wanted to make the team so bad. And he tried and practiced and practiced and practiced. So he tried out for the school team. But unfortunately, he didn't make it. So we said, that's okay. Let's see what else we can do. So we found a traveling team that had tryouts. So he tried out for the traveling team. And we waited a couple days and we thought, man, he did really good. And he did everything he could. He practiced. He did everything. But unfortunately, again, he didn't make the team. Well, he was crushed and his spirit was broken and it was tough. 
it was tough and we didn't know we didn't know what to do and we didn't want him to give up but we also wanted him to keep going so during this time that he was practicing for basketball he had stopped going to track because his sole focus he wanted to be on basketball and we understood and we said yeah, it makes sense but you you know you made a commitment so you really wanted to keep your commitment but we understand you really wanted to make basketball okay so because he made he missed the track practices and bas- he didn't make basketball he was kind of at a crossroads on what to do this was the perfect time for choosing your love and loving your choice so we sat him down and we said this is exactly this has got to be your decision on what you want to do and whatever you want to do we're going to support it we're going to support it a hundred percent wholeheartedly we're going to back you on whatever you want to do but you've got to be all in you have to be secure in your decision so he thought about it he took some time and he said I want to go back to track and I will look for opportunities to pick up basketball in the spring or in the summer now I thought that was a very mature decision and a good choice for a 14 year old and I know it was hard for him to not make a team and there were other chances and teams that he could have looked. He could have gone to the Y. He could have done a couple things. But those aren't as competitive as he wanted to be on. So we were proud of him. And we're like, that's great. So he went back to track. He's now practicing a couple times a week. He's doing that. And he's got some track meets that are coming up, which I think will be great for him. So good decision. Good on him. And it was wholeheartedly his choice, his decision. And we'll back him for that. So good job. Now, that's a small example for me, but uh, I think it was a very powerful example of choosing and loving what you make, what you do. Some choices are good. Some choices are bad. Some choices need time in order to make them. But that's okay. He had to take some time in order to figure out what he wanted to do. That's okay. Slow down. Make sure that it's the right choice, that it's the right one. Uh, don't settle for that okay choice. I mean, you know, we've had nieces and nephews. Maybe they didn't know what they wanted to do when they were going through uh, college and figure out, is this the right path that we're on? Fine. That's okay. Take your time and figure out this is the right place that I want to be. Not a problem. Make sure that you make the right choices and that that's exactly the career path and the place that you want to be. Because everybody needs to make that time and have that, that the courage really to make that choice and say, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, it could come down as simple um, as to... Um, the other one, and this comes into a lot of different plays, is we hear it all the time, is uh, when, are, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? When are you, you know, that's the other thing. You're, that's your choice. 
That's not anybody else's choice. When the, when the time is right for you, that's your choice. Don't let anybody else tell you that. So, um, I married way above my pay grade and my wife is so much smarter than I am. So I'm just telling you listeners, I need you to heed this simple blessing. She recalled when she said, choose your love and love your choice, because I can promise you that the rewards are well worth it. Uh, they say in gambling, the juice is worth the squeeze. I'm telling you the juice is worth the squeeze. So I don't think I could end on a better note, so I'm not going to try. So with that, uh, I just want to say thanks again to my unfiltered studio family, finding your way with the Beebs, uh, pedals of support with mama D the stupid history minute. Uh, and of course the unfiltered with Keb. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to another uh, true crime, true crime podcast, Nefarious Nightmare, uh, and our buddies, uh, the Two Penny over there, uh, Mike, uh, Jay, and Mike. I didn't give Mike a shout out uh, last week, so I apologize about that. Mike uh, just got caught up in the first episode, and uh, you know, just uh, maybe forgot about it there, buddy. But. Uh, they did, however, figure out the uh, connection of the name. They said it was a little bit of my Catholic uh, background, which is true. Uh, nailed it uh, because I've been called St. Joe. Uh, St. Joseph was a carpenter and nailed it is a pun and a play on the name of St. Joseph being a carpenter. So good job, Mike. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, shout outs on all the shows. So. If you want to find me, you can certainly do so on Twitter. Uh, I am at St. Joe, S-A-I-N-T-J-O-E-U-N-F-Pod. For any comments, uh, please, if you like the episode, please give it a retweet, smash the follow button, as well as uh, give me a rating on any kind of platform you're choosing to listen to this on. So that, again, organically, people can find me. It's going to help me, and I certainly appreciate it. And welcome any kind of comments or feedback. It's only going to help me get better. So uh, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, I'd like to get it up uh, into the listening atmosphere here. I know I've got a few uh, people listening. Uh, I think my family, I think they were probably half the listeners last week. So uh, really appreciate that. So... With that, I will say I am St. Joe. Have a great week, everyone. And as always, work hard, play hard, but whatever you do, make sure you nailed it. This podcast is a production of Unfiltered Studios. If you would like to know more about joining Unfiltered Studios, please visit our website at unfpod.com for more information.